0: Hello and welcome to Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely deep literary merit, with your classy and sophisticated hosts Alexandra Rowland, Freya Mosk, and Jennifer Mace. On today's episode, we're discussing three of our favorite anime, Hikaru no Go, Yakitate Japan, and Princess Tutu. Hello and welcome to episode 52. Let us tell you our thoughts on yaoi. I'm Alex and I am Yukimura Seichi from Prince of Tennis. I'm Freya and I am Haruno Sakura from Naruto. I'm Macy and I am Toya Akira from Hikago.
1: We are three redheaded fantasy authors.
0: And today we're going to be talking about some anime bullshit. Um, Freya titled this episode, and I didn't get the joke, so maybe you guys also don't get the joke. It's an ancient meme. Freya's (laughs) going to explain it to us later. Um, But before we get into all of that... What are we reading, fellow serpents? I have recovered from the reading slump that I was
1: in when I was in the worst of the untamed hell bullshit. <laughs> I am still in untamed hell bullshit yes. fully. Do not yes. do not yes. worry yes. on yes. that account. But I have actually also read seven books since we last recorded.
0: Jesus Christ. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I won't tell you about all of them. Uh, okay. Shout outs to Harrow the Ninth, the sequel to Gideon the Ninth, which I was lucky enough to get an arc of and tore my way through that. It is extremely chewy, and I think people who enjoyed Gideon will obviously like this one. It's quite a different type of book, but equally impressive and enjoyable and entertaining. Mm. I read Gilded Cage, which was KJ Charles's uh, sequel to Any Old Diamonds. Mm -hmm. It -hmm. is a very delightful book about a young woman who is a no-nonsense private investigative agent and huh. the minor aristocrat turned jewel thief, who she thought betrayed her when they were young and now has to save him from being framed. It's great. It's KJ Child, of course. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, I'm in the middle of a nonfiction book called Mutual Admiration Society. How Dorothy L. Sayers and her Oxford Circle remade the world for women, hmm. which is about, obviously, Dorothy L. Sayers, the detective novelist, and basically about coming of age and being an Oxford student and her friendship circle at Oxford Mm. uh, in the sort of late Edwardian and just after period, and then what those women went on and did with their lives. It's really interesting, and of course, because of that, I am now frantically rereading all of the (laughs) Peter Whimsey, Harriet (laughs) Vane novels, of which I have now read three, and I'm in the middle of the fourth. So that's me.
2: (laughs) Uh Aha. I have read quite a lot of fic, quite a lot of fic, probably at least 500,000 words of untamed fic. Um, like yeah. minimum minimum i'm i can't Jesus even Christ. count um and of course we finished the show don't ask me about my drafts i have a lot of them with tiny amounts in each because i am trash
0: draft draft drafts of what they of... do you want to say that more no, clearly for no our i listeners? don't think i do
2: thank you okay um sure. <laughs> uh, i also saw a star war the new one which was fine like it wasn't bad i think it was just fine It was no it was like it could have been a lot worse it was interesting there were some mm. fun beats um the uh, cute puffin things came back which is always appreciated um and i read the thief
0: so as a like Finally. writer, of yes as listen <laughs> listen i wasn't the one campaigning for you to read it i liked it it was fine listeners you have to understand that like the next two books have been being
2: wrecked to me by all and sundry, and particularly these two, for a yes. while. But I just couldn't get past the first book. Mostly, Mostly fair. Freya. Mostly Freya. The The Thief, the First One, is a novella with too many words in it. Um, but it does the thing and that's fine, and now I can read the next ones. Yeah. And
1: Yes.
2: Yeah, that's most of what I've been doing, other than like lying mm. on my floor. Shouting and not talking to Americans about British politics.
1: And learning recorder. Oh, yes, yeah. I taught myself recorder. And look, we cannot actually throw too many stones about the number of drafts that Macy has opened because whom amongst us? Right, Alex?
0: Yes. In fact, let me tell you about my drafts. I uh, have I will seven. Be more... I have four. Yes, but yours have more than a thousand word in each of them. That's
1: true. Wow, I only have uh, three.
0: Oh, well, <laughs> every, everything is all screwed up. <laughs> Um, I finished watching The Untamed, and then I started watching the animated version of The Untamed. Uh, I read all of the sex scenes (laughs) from the novel version of The Untamed. Uh. I read quite a lot of fanfic of The Untamed. I wrote 20,000 words and counting of fanfic of The Untamed. And then I went to New York City uh, yesterday to visit the tour offices and yell with our friend Roshi about the untamed uh whilst both of us were wearing like closet cosplay of the two main characters it was not very fucking closeted (laughs) no no, it's called closet cosplay because you make it out of stuff that you have in your closet rather than like making new stuff
1: (laughs) it is a little alarming that you had such a great Wei Wuxian costume in your closet it's really not
0: this is like peak Alex like reds and blacks yeah I just have a lot of red and black in my closet is is the thing and uh so yeah, basically my whole life is the untamed right now. Uh, please leave me here to die. And also I want to know who is going to start the Untamed Recap no podcast one. with me. Alex, because no. I bet Roshi will. So Alex. But sit stay. No, I I will not. You cannot you I will not be silenced, Macy.
1: <laughs> anyway. That's all right, we can just have this. Put it in a little capsule. And then when Alex comes back to us mid-next year, be like, why do I have three podcasts? We can just just be like, Because Because everything is bad.
2: (laughs)
0: Everything is bad. Have you considered adopting another cat instead? Mm, My cat doesn't get along with other cats. So unfortunately, it is just podcasts all the way down. (laughs) What else do you have to tell us, though, Alex? I I do have a small piece of news, which Mm. is that uh, last week... Uh, for the, those of us living right now, uh, <laughs> we announced that I have a new book coming out next year, Yay! and it is a quote-unquote nonfiction book. Uh, <laughs> a encyclopedia of where to find fairies in the modern world. Uh, specifically in urban environments, there's going to be a lot of stuff about. Uh, climate change and technology and fairies of the internet and the fairies of Chernobyl and really fun stuff. It comes out next October. It's called Finding Fairies, and it's going to be illustrated. Ooh. So all of that is pretty cool. Please, when the we'll I'll let you know when pre-orders go up. Uh, it is not yet, but hopefully soon. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so now. Let's have a fucking episode. Yes. Freya, you promised us a corner. <laughs> yes, Freya's well, corner. I, so early
1: in the we episode. We were just goodness. having our usual last minute panicked discussion about what <laughs> do we call the episode? <laughs> Fuck, we don't have this a title. Every time. Every time. Every time. I said off the cuff, well, we can't just call it We Tell You Our Thoughts on Yowie. And I, <laughs> in my foolishness, assumed that was a joke that everybody would get in that it it went right (laughs) over Maya and Macy's heads. So So clearly I'm just a crone who's been on the internet for too long. Honestly, when I thought about it, I couldn't actually name where the meme came from. It's just one of those meme things that people say on the internet. And so I had to go to (laughs) fan law to look up where it came from. And there was an inciting incident of somebody who went on a very long rant about their thoughts on yaoi, but it became just a catch-all phrase that was kind of everywhere and its own punchline for a while and i can't believe i managed to haul it out of my brain which is clearly full of useless internet factoids <laughs> um, and for the, if there's anybody out there who doesn't know what yaoi is yaoi is like a general term for essentially i guess male male manga and anime is that what we'd call it yeah
2: yeah ones that they actually like
0: get explicit
1: yes not not just but actually explicitly
0: god this is giving me some like very (laughs) this is giving me war flashbacks right now (laughs) let's get into those war flashbacks do we get to have
2: the conversation about the difference between lemons and limes
0: oh my god that's some that's some nostalgia right there (gasps) darling listeners welcome to the nostalgia anime episode we're we're getting we're gonna do some nostalgicating Just a little. (laughs) So
1: how about one of you tells me how you first got into anime. Tell us the whole sordid story.
2: So mine is somewhat like baby Macy's first fandom everything. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So when I was 13, there was an anime that showed at 6.40pm on Fox Kids Back when we had one TV, it's the only place you could watch it, and if anyone else who was a parent was in the room, they got dibs. And this anime was Shaman King, mm. if anyone came across that one. Mm-mm. It was a vaguely necromantic fight anime with, like, summoning weapons and rivals and a lot of, like, sword-fighting banter with, like, pressing the other boy up against a wall. Wonderful. Stuff. And baby Macy was fascinated these episodes were like 20 minutes long and I just had to know what happened next only one week my dad wanted to watch fishing mm. and it was like episode seven and I'm like no you don't understand I will never know what happens it will never have a reshow because they mm-hmm. didn't there was no way to find it out I just I was tiny 13 year old meltdown about like I'll never know it won't make sense. You don't understand how important this is to me. Why are you ruining my yep, life? Sir.
1: Yep. Yeah. Except
0: yeah. British. Uh,
2: except, yeah. I mean, that was, that's me in my voice. I don't know how much more British to be.
1: I wasn't quite uh, sure if you were actually showing quite that much emotion. Oh, I was 13. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So 13. you exactly like standing in front of the television with a single crystalline tear. Be like,
0: 13 kind of trumps British. <laughs>
1: It's true. 13 overrules British
2: in this case. There was a lot of sobbing. Um, And so I went upstairs in a sulk and was probably grounded for being rude. And I was like, I'm going to ask the internet. So (laughs) I googled Shaman King and I found like next to nothing, certainly no episode summaries. Except I found one strange thing, which was when I googled the character names of the two main characters. Oh, There was this website called (laughs) fanfiction.net. And and the rest was history. (laughs) With all of these quite smutty shipping Mm -hmm. fics. I guess it was such a small fandom that like the ff.net purge hadn't really reached
1: it. And I was very confused. I really hoped you were going to be like, and the first one was 560,000 words long. (laughs) They
2: weren't. No one was writing that long. It was very Mm. sad. So that's Baby Macy's first encounter with like anime that sunk its claws into my heart. Yeah. yeah. You know,
0: I was like, this matters somehow yeah. to me. For me, I was on Neopets for a long time, back in back in the oh, day. Yes. <laughs> and I had a very good friend who was kind of responsible for getting me into a lot of stuff. For example, <laughs> NaNoWriMo and also anime. I'd seen Pokemon when mm-hmm. I was like a kid and also a little bit of sailor moon and i was like oh these are cool these are fine um and then she was like i found this really gay anime and i had never seen queer content before in like actual media like i'd been reading a lot of fan fiction at that at that time but like to actually see it was something i had never seen before um and i it wasn't even very good it was like dn angel Mm-hmm. Was the fan- was the uh, anime that she wrecked to me, and even that one, like I was fascinated. I watched the whole thing, but even still, I didn't really get into it. Uh, yeah. And then I I watched a couple more, and then like we really hit gold when she introduced me to Prince of Tennis. Okay. Oh dear, <laughs> and Prince, I have written more fanfic for Prince of Tennis than I have for I think any other fandom except until fucking now like now it's the untamed <laughs> shit well fuck <laughs> well freya don't think you're going to
1: escape without telling your story no no i think given how our comparative ages i think this is probably actually happening concurrently with 13 huh. year old macy's mm-hmm. air entry into anime fandom So I was 16 and my entry into anime and my discovery of online fandom happened all at once Mm -hmm. because I changed friendship groups in high school at the age of, like, just before I turned 16. And it was going from the quite conservative, straight A's, orchestra and choir nerds group that I had been happily sitting in for four years to the everybody's basically queer, we watch a lot of anime... (laughs) uh that 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 particular friendship group and so i and so when i started hanging out with them they're like oh well we're getting together this weekend and we're watching some more for shigi yugi and i was like okay cool anime whatever and i vividly remember that the way it was passed around was on discs (laughs) it was all on cds that had been burned yep there was nowhere that was screening most of the things that we were watching in australia literally all of this had been like magically pirated by people in <laughs> university and then burned multiple times wow. and passed down through the ranks to <laughs> us. The high school arm of this pirate society. The chapter. <laughs> and, the high school chapter. And oh yeah. The yep. high school chapter. And there were episodes missing and like we couldn't you know you couldn't just couldn't get hold of episode sixteen, but then somebody yep. would finally burn episodes seventeen to twenty and you'd watch those all at once. And the first anime that I ever watched all the way through was one that was again handed to me on a disc, and a friend said, "Oh, we've all been watching this. Do you want to? It's your turn to have the disc. Oh, it's gay. Do you mind if it's gay?" <laughs> and I remember being like, "I, I, I guess no. Like, it had not actually occurred to me to mind." But again, I hadn't really seen a lot of queer content, mm-hmm, right? Uh, exactly as Alex said, and it was Gravitation. Oh, oh Gravitation! Oh my God, no! Yes. So oh, Gravitation, oh my dear gosh. listeners, oh. was a not particularly. Great in terms of queer representation, but no. it was very explicitly. <laughs> it was very explicitly uh, gay. Um, uh, a, a complete, fairly short anime about bands, like pop pop singers,
0: yeah.
1: and about a tiny pink haired pop singer who falls in love with a dickhead author. Essentially, yep. I
0: think yep. Gravitation was the second one that I watched after DN Angel because I it was like, a "Fucking amazing soundtrack!" Mm, it did because it's yeah. about
1: pop idols and they had real bands and real singers creating the music and recording the music and like doing them in concerts that were enormously popular Mm. and we all got thrown headflung into that and got obsessed with it and at the same time we were all watching Fushigi Yugi and a couple of other anime and looking at the fanfiction because Mm. a lot of those reverse harem anime fandoms got very into the slash fanfic aspect because they just had all of these spare male characters Mm -hmm. lying around and they could just be paired up together. So at the yep. age of 16, I kind of fell headfirst into the queer content, discovering fanfiction and watching anime all at once over one glorious summer before I started year 11. Did anime
2: make us all gay? <laughs> no. Or rather queer? No, I'm pretty sure I was already there.
0: Mm. I don't it know. Maybe my, helped. my friendship
1: group, I think, <laughs> over the next two years, starting with all the fanfiction and moving through things like Gravitation and Yami no Matsui and just seeking out all the gay shit. Yep. <laughs> most of us came out as bisexual (laughs) one by one by one by one Mm -hmm. by one
2: i mean at that point i was still at the all girls high school Hmm. that no one ever successfully came out without being expelled for unrelated reasons um and oh well there were a lot of gays there but like no one was
1: out Mm. well my school was A private Anglican girls school. Yep. yep. And because of our friendship group, they had to introduce a new rule, (laughs) which was no touching. (laughs) Because two of my friends started dating and holding hands. And then the school was like, (gasps) Mm -hmm. uh, no touching, no touching girls. No touching.
2: (laughs) Wow. Yep. But it was fascinating within like two or three years of graduating from that school, how many of the people that I knew were like, yeah, I have a girlfriend now.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, the baby queer. But, like,
0: it wasn't safe. It wasn't safe to talk about right. it. So, Macy, do you want to yeah. start by telling us your tentpole of the episode? Yes,
2: I want to talk about my favorite anime, my longest running fandom um, that I have a huge amount of affection for, and that is Hikaru no Go. And Hikaru no Go asks the question of what if a family was a boy and a ghost and the boy's rival? Go yeah. on basically so it's a show about and they play board games and they play board games together um (laughs) it's a sort of sports anime about the game of go which is very Mm -hmm. serious in japan and there is a young hooligan boy who tries to steal a goban at the age of 12 and gets himself possessed by the ghost of the best go player to ever live who is mm-hmm. a whiny Haiyan-era imperial like pretty boy with purple lipstick um, and a lot of hair who just cries constantly if he isn't going to be allowed to play Go. And this pair venture out into the world and trip over a very serious young man of the same age who has been the son of the current best Go player in the world and has been polished from a young age to be the best up-and-coming Go player in the world. And this soccer hooligan, who cannot even pick up the stones right, wipes the board with him. And then says, thanks for the game, and bounces off. And you can watch this other boy having a extremely confused and probably slightly gay crisis um, yep. in the middle of a Go salon. Like, <gasps> what is my life for? And right. they are rivals ever since. I do like a good
1: rivals story
2: it's such a great rival story and one of the things that i really love with this is it starts out where this little boy is just being the hands for the go-playing ghost right Mm -hmm. he's just like fine if you get me good grades on history i guess i will go play go for you but very quickly hikaru who is the hooligan child um discovers that he's actually really interested in this thing that the ghost is doing and in the connection with the player on the other side of the board and he wants to play too so you get into this really crunchy situation where you've been given a skill by your elders and you're trying to make it your own and nobody sees you and nobody wants to see you for your own skill they just want you to bring out the skill that you had when you were being fake the ghost's skill so Hikaru mm. is kind of in a complex competitive relationship with Sai the ghost because everyone looks at Hikaru's early games the ones that were purely the ghost and are like that was amazing we want to play that version and Hikaru's mm. like guys I'm, I'm right here hi except Ruda because Hikaru
1: Mm-hmm. Is it one of those ones that's endlessly, endlessly long?
2: It's fairly long. Um they grow up slowly. Um so you get you start out with the kids age twelve, and I think they're like eighteen and moving out by the end of the show. They're professionals. Oh, okay. That's, um wow. that's a fair amount of time. Aging an anime. in anime? Incredible. No, yeah, they they age. Like the character the character design changes. They have these adorable tiny round faces in the beginning that look like Ayuan from The Untamed and it's very cute they are babies they are tiny and like less than shoulder height on all the adults around Mm -hmm.
0: them I watched this anime I watched part of this anime I watched it up until the ghost Sai disappears Because he was my favorite character. And I was like, what do you mean he's not here anymore? So I rage quit.
1: Are you telling me, Alex, that the pretty boy who cries a lot with purple lipstick was your favorite (laughs) character?
0: Shocking, I know. And wears robes. And wears long robes, yes. I'm Uh, so surprised. I have... Did you read all of the Ogata Sai fic? I didn't read any
2: fic for Hikago. None there's a bunch. There's a bunch with, um. there's one where Sai loses his memory and like comes back as like a young man who has lost his memory and Ogata pulls him out of a river and is like, I'm going to take you to the hospital. Who are you? He's like, I don't know. Yeah. And then they play Go and Ogata's like, I'm taking you home with me.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so I, I rage quit this anime, but my dad played Go. And so mm. I like stomped into the other room and I was like, Dad, teach me to play <laughs> Go right now. So I (laughs) vaguely, vaguely, vaguely know how to play Go. Macy probably knows more because Macy has watched the whole anime. They had these really cute little two-minute codas to every episode Mm.
2: where an actual professional Go player would sit down with some children and teach the children to play Go. Amazing. Like a live-action one, like just a video of these people doing the thing. Anime is so educational. (laughs) It was very educational. Have either of you watched Knives Out? Mm -mm. no
1: i was warned there was vomiting yes there is some vomiting yeah i think you actually see the vomit but yes there's someone who vomits several times during the movie but there is go playing in the movie
2: oh gosh i do like a good go game i like being able to know when someone's fucked up Mm. like i enjoy having enough go knowledge to be like "Ooh, that was a bad move yeah should... I couldn't make a good
0: move, but like I can be like, oh, not that one. We should play shitty go sometime, Macy. Uh, that's hilarious
2: because Shido Go is how you say learning go. <laughs> I did not know that.
1: Well, cool. Anyway. <laughs> cool. Well it sounds like something that I would enjoy watching, even though I personally detest board games.
2: Yeah. It's very dramatic and well done. The anime art style is a little bit dated at this point, because it is a bit old, but um there's this earnest scene of Toya Akira like under the falling sakura blossoms appealing to Hikaru to be his rival and there's lots of like standing sadly in the rain we love that we'd it's, love to see some yes, good
1: old anime imagery there anybody standing under a sakura blossom some deep shit is going down
2: oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah exactly yeah. meanwhile I hear that we have a different type of sports anime we, next
0: we do Alex loves a sports anime and Alex's favorite, favorite sports truth. anime is Yakita to Japan um, I want you to imagine if Great British Bake Off was a sports anime, but it was always bread week and some of the breads have magical powers. There is a lot of cocaine involved in this imagining. <laughs> it is a satire anime and it's satirizing <laughs> the entire genre of shonen sports anime <laughs> because of how it's structured and how it like it's doing a thing on purpose rather than just like conforming to the structure because that's the structure it's conforming to the structure because that's funny <laughs> so like you you have your initial sort of bread rival who becomes your teammate uh, and together you like build your relationship and you also like take part in these bread competitions which yeah uh it's a lot <laughs> um and the bread <laughs> the bread is judged And of course, like, if someone, if it's really good bread, the judge has a capital R reaction, which is this, like, cutscene of, like, really wacky stuff happening. But then within a couple episodes, it turns out that this stuff is, like, happening kind of in real life. There's one reaction where someone, like, turns into a cosmic turtle and spins around on the (laughs) ceiling (laughs) and breathes fire. Um... (laughs) Anyway, uh, obviously, like, the people who are best at making bread have solar hands. And that means that is the magical ability of your hands being particularly warm because it makes you better at kneading the bread. But you would be very bad at making pastry. You would want cold yep. hands for pastry. Yes,
2: pastry hands are cold. In fact, we had this conversation, didn't like we? we? did. We have- did.
0: I think we did. And in fact, there are also cold hands, which are like sort of the the king uh, magical ability amongst people who specialize in pastry. It's a fantastic, (gasps) it's a legitimately, it's a legitimately hilarious, fantastic anime that does not take itself seriously at all. Um, And it also has a lot of actual real true facts about bread because anime (gasps) is educational. Anime is educational. Like that's undeniable. Yeah. So uh that's what I've got for you today.
2: <laughs> I have seen about 30 seconds of this and it Alex is exaggerating oh, yeah. nothing
0: because I sent you the clip where yeah, uh, yes, there's the did. other there's yeah. the other magical ability which oh, is God. the magical ability yeah. of your hands being particularly flexible and there's like 30 entire seconds of like five different characters going, what, you mean like this? And then wiggling their fingers at each other. It's like Nato hand signs. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> what are you doing? And and it makes like a weird squelchy noise. <laughs> it's a fantastic anime. You should watch it. It is still on YouTube. <laughs> uh, so here, would you uh. like to bring us back to the
1: land of reason sure. and sadness? I do like... I hear the sadness in yours. There is some sadness in mine. I do like a good satire of the genre anime. And when I was trying <laughs> to think about what I wanted to do for my particular nostalgia slash sales pitch. (laughs) I actually considered doing Oran High School Host Club, which I think we're going to talk about later, which is a satire of a different genre of anime. Yeah. But I decided that I was going to talk about Princess Tutu, which I watched a very long time ago, but meant a lot to me when I watched it. And what I could remember about it, I was like, yes, this is a good one to talk about. And then I went to try and find it. And it is basically fucking impossible to find In Australia, it's not on Crunchyroll. I was prepared to pay cash money for this thing. Mm. It's not available on DVD. My only options were sort of getting Blu-rays from American Amazon, which I don't have a Blu-ray player. And I just, (laughs) uh, it was all too much bother. So I decided I would rely on recaps and music videos. (laughs) Went on a recap reading spree and ended up with a two page document's worth of notes. (laughs) Because I was going to take the assignment seriously. And also, I have a targeted sales pitch for both of you.
0: Okay. Oh god.
2: Give Give it it to we us. are prepared. I'm prepared. I Let's go. I'm braced on my chair. Let's do the thing.
1: <laughs> Princess Tutu is set in a ballet school in a small village. The initial setup is that there is a fairy tale structure around this and there is a clear narrator who is also a character, but to begin with he is just the framing device. The whole thing is incredibly meta. It is about storytelling. It is about being a character within a narrative. Fuck off, And whether you... (laughs) Oh, I've got more for you, Alex. Just Damn it. (laughs) But the initial setup is a fairy tale about a prince who got into a battle with an evil raven. And Mm. he decided to sacrifice his own heart and his own memories to trap the raven. So his heart gets shattered into lots and lots of little pieces, which gets scattered throughout a town. Um, and turns this town into a place where reality meets elements of unreality. So mm. it's not entirely a real place. Like the head mm-hmm. ballet teacher is a cat called Cat Sensei. <laughs> there is a character called Anteaterina, who is just a normal girl at the school, but is also an anteater. <laughs> uh, and these shards of his heart enter the hearts of other people where they can mm-hmm. change them or poison them, depending on what the emotion or the memory was. So obviously it's already got elements of the uh, Swan Queen fairy Mm -hmm. tale and there's a lot of fairy tales that are referenced throughout it and a lot of ballet stories as well like each episode has a framing ballet like Coppelia or Midsummer Night's Dream or Romeo and Juliet and it has a lot of things to do with uh, the Nutcracker and Swan Lake in particular but also the Ugly Duckling and Cinderella because the main character is a duck an actual literal duck her name is a hero and she is given the opportunity by this mysterious storyteller to be turned into a girl with a magical pendant. So the duck is the magical girl who turns into a girl. And then her girl form has another magical girl form who is Princess Lord Tuesday. God! <laughs> um, and she's, okay. she wants to become a real girl because she wants to dance with the prince, like Cinderella. Uh, but if she does anything oh. duck-like, she transforms back into a duck temporarily, <laughs> which you think was a bit of a weird thing, but it, turn- it happens. And she has a chance, she's told, to save the prince, because he is essentially an automaton. He has lost his memory, he's lost his feelings, he's this soulless but beautiful boy who does not remember who he was and is not a real mm. person. And she can save him by getting his feelings back one by one, by getting these shards mm-hmm. from the people in the town and helping the people who have them to work through their feelings via dance. This is the initial framing story. It falls apart and twists on itself and goes like in a completely other direction by halfway through the anime. But that's the initial beginning. And it has a lot of really interesting themes around uh, when you decide to do something for someone because of what you want. Are you doing the right Mm -hmm. thing for them? And so this character of a hero, he's trying to get the memories back of Mythos, who's the prince, who is another. They're all students at this ballet school. Um, And his friend... Fakir is like the knight character to the prince so he doesn't want her to do this he's like no leave him alone he's fine there's another girl who's called Rue who's this mysterious sort of perfect ballet figure who also isn't in in love with the prince and doesn't want him to change She's like no he's perfect as he is without feelings because he's this very central passive almost feminized in a sort of his role within the story He's the prince, but he's basically the princess. Everyone wants to help him, possess him, protect him, and argue about what is best for him. But underneath this whole story is this thing that I was thinking about as essentially an omelas parallel. Mm. If all it takes Mm. is one person losing their humanity to imprison a great evil, is it worth it? Mm.
2: And what if that person
1: is actually content because they don't know any better? So heaps and heaps and heaps of things happen in, in this to do with finding people's these emotions and then the sh- the roles of the four main characters keep shifting as to which one of them is being framed as the villain and they're okay. all being manipulated by the storyteller and they're being manipulated by the raven who is the evil sort of antagonist figure it is an incredibly clever anime which also has some really like whimsical and funny and light-hearted animation going on within it in terms of the characters mm-hmm. and the interactions between them. And just the way that the ballet is animated
0: mm-hmm. is
1: absolutely mm-hmm. gorgeous. Like It's very stylized and the emotion is very heightened, but that works because ballet. Yeah, right. And so... Yeah, all these motifs and visuals and things come into it. And the themes are around, yeah, like if you accept your fate, you can be happy. But if you defy your fate, you could become a glorious figure. Is it better to feel your negative emotions or not? You know, (laughs) is it better to love someone for being a real and complete person rather than the idea of someone and what purpose they can serve for you? It's about shitty, abusive Mm. parenting. But at the bottom (laughs) of it, it's about being kind. Like a hero's great strength as a character is that she manages to win the day always by just being kind and empathetic and wanting the best for other people. Like, it's got a very Pratchettian message underneath all of the narrative gear-turning bullshit.
2: Which is, I think, an interesting thing that you see in Sailor Moon, Mm -hmm. with the Sailor Moon villains a lot of the time being defeated with empathy. But I'm also thinking about, it's kind of Naruto's superpower as well. Like, outside of his punching, one of the things that he does is talks to his enemies, right? I'm just thinking of, like... Have either of you two watched any Nato? Yes. Thinking <laughs> of him, like, talking to Gara. Yeah, yeah. And and other stuff. Like, he, a lot of the time he will convert an enemy who will later turn out to be a friend. Which I think is rare in shonen. I think it's something that you expect more in shoujo. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because, like... Well- I was going to think, well, I mean, Naruto is kind of a very classic shonen. It's very
2: classic shonen.
1: I think, I think... from.
2: But I'm thinking about, like, Bleach. I would not expect characters to win by being kind. Full Metal Alchemist, maybe? You could argue that one of the Elric Brothers' powers is kindness.
1: I think it's a fairly common strength of a protagonist to see, especially where the protagonist is not overpowered in other ways. Like, even though a hero is this magical girl... And she Mm. has these abilities. When she becomes Princess Tutu, she doesn't like shoot magical rays or anything. Like her entire power is in using dance to show empathy and to show that she can express someone else's feelings and help them to work through them.
2: Is this something we see as much in Western film and television? It's something I feel maybe in children's media, but not as much outside.
0: What, about empathy?
2: Yeah. Empathy is a superpower.
0: Being kind is the thing that wins the day. Well, here's the thing. You're using the the phrase be kind, but I actually have a cool piece of academia to tell you about, um, which is a Japanese like philosophical concept called makoto. Are you familiar with this? Nope. Okay. Makoto basically means earnestness, and it's that thing in anime where... Characters win the day by having good, true, pure feelings. And, like, so being kind is is part of that. It plays into that. Um, but it's also about being genuine and, like, caring about other people and and so forth. And so a lot of times the protagonists are winning because they are the most earnest one right they're the one with the they're the one with the good true pure feelings i wrote an entire paper about this in college and the title of this was the importance of being earnest makoto as a path to success um because you see like when the protagonist starts to stray away from this path of like genuine pure emotions when they start being angry or or like having a dark night of the soul they get less good at the thing that they're supposed to be doing. And it's not until they regain that sort of pure emotion that they start triumphing over their rivals again, right? Like,
2: I think that you're totally right. This is a really cool thing that anime does. I'm trying to figure out if it's a unique thing. It's a Because it is something that I'm noting. Um,
1: I, think it, I think it is. I think it is. to say, well, it depends where you're looking. Because I agree that I think, mm-hmm. um, especially, I suppose, middle grade... Um, it would mm. be a, a fairly common i guess underlying character note, but I would also say that romance as a genre is mm. very much in mm-hmm. in this in this vein because it rewards sincerity yes. and truth of feeling,
2: yeah, I think that you're right. I think it's interesting that this is seen as a thing that you only your intimate
0: connections and children need, yeah, rather than something that you can like espouse as a concept for how you approach the whole world. I would absolutely agree that that is
1: the central uh, underpinning moral theme in Princess Tutu about using that as a way to relate to people because it's about seeing people for who they really are rather than as objects. Mm. And the whole point is that the storyteller sees people as objects and tries to Mm. manipulate them for his own amusement. And that's where all of the darkness in the story and the world comes from is when people are perceived as objects. So anyway, final notes. Tropes that you might like. There is a very obvious high dark femme slash sunshine girl femme slash pairing, Uh. which you might enjoy, Macy, which is of the central character and the dark swan. They have this very clear like Odette, Odile, white swan, dark Uh swan imagery going on, which is delicious. (laughs) And for you, Alex, there is a sensitive, beautiful prince with a grumpy protector knight who has made protecting the prince his entire mission since he was a child. And this knight also discovers he has the ability to control reality by telling stories.
0: Damn it! Damn it! <laughs> and there's a
1: very cool scene where he is fighting against the narrator of the whole story to try and change what's happening in the story and the narrator's like dark intentions take over his hand, so he stabs his own hand with a knife to make himself stop writing. It's, it's great.
0: That's pretty great, that's pretty great. You mentioned that uh, part of the way that you sort of refreshed yourself was watching music videos my entire experience, uh, I think I saw like two episodes of Princess Tutu way back in the day, but my great familiarity with Princess Tutu is the um, music video Hal Omig. Om
1: I couldn't find any music videos that I actually liked, unfortunately. I just had like a little bit of a flick through, through YouTube, but I couldn't find any that I would link or espouse as particularly good at selling it as an anime. So what was okay. this one that you remember watching?
0: It's one of like, I still have the link because I watch it fairly frequently. It's one of the greatest music videos of all time. People have anime music videos. I mean, people like show it at conventions and like hold it up as like a classic example of the anime music video genre example. And I will Mm -hmm. link it to you in chat and uh, the scribes will scribes. If you can't find it, let me know. I got it for you. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Anyway, that is my sales pitch. I believe, Alex, you would
1: have a good time with this. It's only 26 minutes. And I will episodes.
2: note, it's on Hulu. Oh, yes. Okay. so
1: those of you who are lucky enough to be able to access Hulu in you know, countries mm-hmm. that have proper streaming service options. Yeah,
0: sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's on Hulu. It's a great show. You'll enjoy it.
0: Would you prefer me to watch this show or continue writing Untamed fanfic?
1: As if I don't believe that you could do both. <laughs>
0: But okay. watch it in the summer. Like, uh, save it. When I'm not on deadline. Yeah. 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 You should be yeah. doing
1: <laughs> deadline things followed by untamed things. This can uh-huh. wait. It's been around for a while. It will wait for you.
0: It'll hold. It okay. Wait.
2: wait. Okay. Meanwhile, I would like to talk about some categories of anime. All right. And I wanted us to shout a little bit about sports animes and also battle animes. Because I think we were talking about how those are slightly the same thing. Okay. Alex, this was your clue- cue to shout about Prince of Tennis being a samurai.
0: Yes, thank you. Yes, I will shout about how Prince of Tennis is in fact about samurais, because it is. <laughs> <laughs> Prince of Tennis I got deeply, deeply into for several years, actually. It is a whole metaphor of like actual historical samurai. Because they're all named after actual historical yep. samurai, some of them have been split into two. For example, my favorite ship, Sanada and Yukimura from uh my yep. favorite team, Rikadai. Um uh, yep. are just The fancy the fancy prissy ones. The, no no no, that's Kyote. Kyote's is, Kyote's is I always get these wrong. Kyote is the fancy prissy ones who wear like white and grey blue. I never then, watched
1: this, but they're my favorites.
0: Uh, they would <laughs> yes, be your favorites, actually, Freya. Yes, that's true. Uh, and Ricki Dai is the ones who wear like mustard yellow and are like oh, the like hardcore badasses and kind oh, of terrifying, right, yes. and everyone is like, whoa. The uh, they're not really thugs, are they? Not no, portrayed as the image of. thugs? They are portrayed as like the final boss battle because they're the reigning champions. Yeah, they're. Like, I mean, I think this is like sports anime as a structure is really fascinating to me
2: and there's just so many examples of it yeah um that i think that it's still a sports anime prince of tennis is structured by tournaments oh it is and yes. by like rivals and striving to better yourself and going to practice unless you're fuji um <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh and there's a lot of Slash fake in that fandom because there were like 59 million boys and two
0: girls. So when I when I was in college, a friend and I were deeply into Prince of Tennis, and we once sat down and counted oh how many God. characters there were. 126 male characters. Uh-huh. Six women. Yep. Yep. <sighs> about that. And then you have something
2: which I think of as a battle anime, which is, for example, Bleach. Okay. Right? Or NATO. Um, where it's not a competition. You are fighting for your life. You are Mm. trying to save people from monsters. I mean, you could kind of argue that Full Metal Alchemist is that a little bit as well. Okay. And I think those are structured pretty differently, right? They're much less episodic. The early
1: stages of Naruto are structured like a sports anime. That's true. Well, kind of. They're about a tournament of all these series of duels between the young ninjas trying to prove themselves against one another. I mean, that's after the first 20 episodes, which have quests. That's true. I think there is a sports anime structure smack bang in the middle of Naruto. (laughs) I say this having watched a certain amount of Naruto, like quite a fairly big chunk, and then having rage quit at a certain point when it just, there's just Uh, so fucking much of it. I'd watched enough that I I had enough feelings to go out and write quite a lot of fan fiction. And then I decided to move on. With a sigh of relief,
2: <laughs> I think that like the Naruto prompts memes, prompt memes were some of my first um, fanfic experiences. I made my first fandom friend write, like co-writing fic Aww. in that, and in Uran, we wrote Naruto fic, and then we wrote
1: Uran Papa Mama fic. <laughs> well, I like I like sports anime when it's about self-discovery within a found family. I think. Yes. And That's Yuri and I, obviously I watched because it was a figure skating yes! anime, but it's very much about self growth and self discovery within a context love of it. making friends and having rivals and obviously mm-hmm. structured very much across a season's worth of the Grand Prix. And I think I've talked on this show a little on this show. I have talked a little on this podcast about run with the wind, which is a sports anime about long distance running and is also about Ooh. a found family of idiots living in a house together. <laughs> Recommend that.
2: And then I am going to skip over the thing where I shout about my childhood trash favourite, which is uh creature anime, such as Digimon and Beyblade, because it's humiliating. And I have no um, comment on that. <laughs> uh-huh and anyone remember oh, what the fuck was the one with yummy um and like the card game one? Oh uh, Alex, I feel like you know
1: this. Um
0: uh Yu-Gi-Oh.
1: Yu-Gi-Oh! I did yes. not see any I just, of it. I never watched these. I never watched any anime that eh. was actually on television. It was all about hunting down discs.
0: Yeah.
2: These are the ones that were like mainstream enough that they were badly dubbed on Fox Kids.
0: Oh, I remember and they the were bad dubs. And
2: they were not good. They weren't good. No, they
0: weren't good. But I'd
2: still read Slash about it. Fair enough. <laughs> but- <laughs> Huge mood. Huge mood. <sighs> but speaking about Slash... Let's talk about some actually queer anime. Yes. What are your thoughts on queer anime, Macy? I want to talk about um, Gender Nonconformity and Oran Host Club. Oh, please, let's. Please, let's do that thing. I love Oran so much. Me too. I love it. So the thing with Oran is it's about a girl who has to cross-dress convincingly as a boy to go to a very fancy high school, and also her father is a professional drag queen. Yeah, or like drag like housewife it's, nothing, it's not very queen like he is a guy and he's happy being a guy but he presents as a woman mm-hmm.
1: but he isn't a woman What Fea you say you love this one what did you love about Oran I love this one partly because as I said it is a satire of a particular genre of anime so it is making a lot yes. of sly jokes about itself and to itself mm-hmm.
0: in mm-hmm. the
1: context of the kind of anime that it is uh, but I also just I really love the dynamic between the characters because again it's about a very tight knit friendship group. Yes, and it's about a very f- tight knit friendship They are friendship disasters, group who are all disasters, but disasters into into and whom, all gay as fuck. Into whom waltzes our point of view character, who is the one who dresses as a boy at at this high school,
2: who I want to say is hyper competent but is also an idiot in her own special way. Yeah. Oh yes, so it's
0: got a lot of things to
1: do <laughs> with, with with yeah gender presentation uh, and also to do mm-hmm. with class and yes. the self-consciousness that she, she feels peasant. as being like from a, a poorer background being i think she's a scholarship student at this yep. very fancy high school that she attends anyway i wrote like ot5 fic for that fandom because i just wow. have a lot of feelings about oh, them God. all being in love
2: i wrote some like of the of the main two leads of the the host club but the other thing about gender that this show does that's really interesting it is about a male host club which is a club where a bunch of very rich, spoiled boys give attention and validation to girls. In exchange for money. In exchange for money. And that's really interesting Mm -hmm. to me. Like, they serve the girls. They are at the whims of the girls. They choose to do this. They have plenty of fucking money. Like, they don't need to do this. And it's just a really
0: interesting concept, right?
2: About, like, the gender dynamics and the power dynamics there.
0: And they're doing it, like... If I remember correctly, it's been a while since I've seen it, but they're doing it from kind of a moral imperative. Like, it's our, like, it is right for us to do this thing. It is. I mean, they're also profiting from it, but.
2: I think they're all doing it for their own individual reasons. Mm. Like, the twins are definitely doing it from chaos. Yeah, it
0: could just be Tamaki, who has, like, the noble purpose. Yeah, Tamaki has, Tamaki has the, oh, yeah. yeah, disaster. Disaster, noble prince. Yeah. Okay. So Tamaki is doing it for like a noble purpose, and then Kilia <laughs> is doing it for for profits. Money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about one of the only
2: yaoi animes I ended up watching, which is uh, Junjo Romantica, which I don't know if either of you have watched. No. It is an anime about a like eighteen year old boy who falls in love with an older author who is a dude. Okay. And moves in with him. So kind of like gravitation. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Except that he's a lot less of a dick. I think it's basically like um, a sequence. Like each season is a different relationship. It's kind of like a compendium of novella-length romance mm-hmm. animes um, in this circle of friends with writers and agents and editors and publishers. Um, and it's fun. Um, but it has extreme yaoi hands. Oh, yeah, oh god.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh God! And, yeah, and hands. I was like this, yep. This show sure is the genre that it is. Yeah. I think if I'm trying to think back, the two queer anime that made the biggest impression on me when I was younger was probably Yami no Matsui, which was very gay. It was about Shinigami and very pretty yeah. stylized art, and Utana, which is one of the mm, few mm-hmm. like explicitly FF anime that I am aware right. of watching. But also. I want to talk about my favorite queer anime for the next section. Am I allowed to move on? Mm. So right down the other end of what we might consider to be romantic (laughs) in heavy quotation marks, (laughs) I would like to talk about Tokyo Babylon and X 1999. And how it influenced your writing. Yes, so this is our How Did Anime Influence Our Writing Corner. Mm. And if you read even, I suppose, the most superficial plot summary of Tokyo Babylon, you will understand a lot about me. And let me see how to put this. All right, Tokyo Babylon is query a romance about (laughs) (laughs) uh, basically supernatural... I'm trying to think of how how to say what they are in English. Anyway, there's a supernatural slash occult mystery-solving aspect to it uh, for one of the characters, and the other one is an assassin. They meet when the assassin is probably in his late teens and the other guy is a small child. And this extremely irresponsible slash sociopathic teenager turns to the small child, hmm, you interest me. Let's make a bet. Later on in your life, I'm going to come into your life for a year. If by the end of that year you have made me care about you as more than an object, I won't kill you. Otherwise I will. <laughs> Bye! And so... Tokyo Babylon is about a 16-year-old, like, occult practitioner who makes friends with this very kindly 25-year-old veterinarian who is actually an evil assassin. (laughs) Who's thinking about killing him who is thinking about killing him. They fall in love. It's incredibly fucked up.
0: Wow. (laughs) That's great.
1: And look, Clamp. Clamp just had some really weird ideas about romance. And then these two characters went on to feature in X-1999, which is probably the first anime that I watched long-term, you know, Mm. start to to finish, and has a very clear sort of good versus evil ensemble urban fantasy, I suppose, Mm -mm -mm. kind of arc with some very heavy religious themes smushed on top of it. And Subaru and Seishiro, the characters from Tokyo Babylon, feature in that, and their romance gets even more fucked up. (laughs) Delightful. But... (laughs) very, very formative for me when it came to the kind of stories that I was finding, digging their claws into my heart, and then I reached Hannibal fandom and went,
0: oh! I was about to say, I was like, oh, this is sounding a lot like Hannibal, isn't
1: it, Freya? Oh, yes, there is a lot about the Hannibal world dynamic that was very familiar to little 16-year-old Freya, who was looking at this ship side long and going, I'm not quite sure why I'm into this, but I'm very into this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good dynamic, Brant. Oh, such a good dynamic. What about oh. you? How do you think that anime has influenced, I guess, your, your writing and your taste in fiction?
2: So, um, how did it influence my writing? Well, Hikaru no Go fanfic was the first fiction I ever wrote. So there's that. Okay. But- very influential very influential i think that um something about the characters really dug its fingers into me and i think part of that was just the connection between them as rivals and this sense that you could feel very deeply for someone not necessarily in a positive way but it could be a force for good in your life and change you for the better
0: Mm. and
2: like someone you could strive against and challenge yourself against because i mean at that age I was a very smart kid being told constantly that being smart was a problem Mm. or like being shown that it was a problem while people praised me for it at the same time and that was very confusing and then you have this show where Toya Akira is very like buttoned down and unable to socialize and super smart and intimidatingly smart and there's this one boy who says no I'm gonna follow you anyway right I like you I want to be your rival. I care about what you think. um, And I will be scary smart with you. And we can do that together and against each other and grow. And yeah, I guess that's what I mean when I say that like the rival structure is a romance arc Mm -hmm. for me. And so I think that that definitely influences my preference for writing books with at least two main characters i don't tend to write books with one main character um i want to have the interplay and the weave of two people against each other growing and pushing each other
0: or knocking each other over that's great i love that and i think that like i think that you're super right that like having someone to push against or someone Mm -hmm. to push you is a huge it's it's a really good way to like instantly get some more character depth in there. Mhm. Yeah. How about you? Um I think that I really think that anime influenced how I do humor beats. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know that I have a grasp on it to explain it more than that. I think that it's a very subtle mm-hmm. sort of influence. Um of course more more obvious is that (laughs) anime uh, gave me my favorite trope of all time, which is the trope of like this, this romance between the liege and the loyal retainer (laughs) Um, (laughs) because like Japanese medieval literature loves that. (laughs) And anime often draws on a lot of like, like uh, established tropes from medieval Japanese literature because like anime is trying to be literary and mm. its it has deep literary merit. Right. Like That's what the whole podcast is about. Yeah. And so a lot of times they know exactly what they're doing. I would say most of the time they know exactly what they're doing when they're making they're making references like this. And like, for example, when Prince of Tennis is modeling its characters after Samurai. And That's very by choice. It's by mm-hmm. choice, and it yeah. is it is an a, a choice of deep literary merit that if you know history, you're going or literature, you're going to get those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Anyway, so I have a lot of feelings about that, clearly. And thank I you, think, anime, for bringing yeah, this to me.
2: <laughs> I think that this episode can more or less be summed up with um, your serpents, darling listeners, have a lot of feelings about
0: anime. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely, extremely deep literary merit. Anime is fucking awesome, and I have picked up so many hobbies and interesting bits of knowledge from it. So basically, if anyone tries to tell you that anime is dumb, you can tell them that your serpent friend Alex said that they're wrong and also stinky. Listen, though, I am so fucking excited to tell you about our upcoming episode. Uh, two weeks hence, on January 29th, we are somehow starting our third year of this podcast. I don't know how that happened. Um, we will be yelling about something that we have all been obsessed with recently. That's right. You asked and we answered. We are going to have an episode about The Untamed and only The Untamed. Literally, that's our only tentpole. We also have a special guest joining us for the first time in fucking forever. Uh, so anyway, if you have a friend who is into Chinese dramas full of exquisite yearning and plot-relevant love songs, maybe give them a heads up. In the meantime, feel free to continue the conversation with us. Questions, comments, breathless adulations. Contact us at serpentcast at gmail at SerpentCast on Twitter and Tumblr, or join in the conversation on our fan Discord chat linked on the About the Show page of our website. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon, or leave a review on iTunes. And by the way, do your best. I believe in you. Ganbatte! Picture me like clenching my fist in a supportive sort of way.